Hello world, it's Carlo Angel back with another podcast entitled The Other Side. Many times when we hear the phrase the other side, we think of the afterlife. While the term afterlife can seem spooky and uncertain, I'm here to speak to its practicality, eternity. In this life, we are limited by time and space. We are appointed a time to be born and a time to die. But on the other side, there is an eternity, not limited by time and space. 1 Corinthians 15.44 states clearly, There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Verse 46 goes on to proclaim, Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, afterward that which is spiritual. Verses 48 through 53 highlights the message. As is the earthy, such as they also that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. From corruptible to incorruptible, from mortal to immortality, living forever in a spiritual body. The dilemma is, where will you spend your eternity? In eternal damnation? eternal darkness, or everlasting punishment suffering the vengeance of eternal fire, or in the eternal light of eternal life. There are two stories from the scriptures which I would like to share. They not only incorporate excellent illustrations of the other side, they both involve a man named Lazarus, meaning God has helped. The first story I would like to share is about Didymus, the twin better known to most as Doubting Thomas. Because like many today, he refused to believe that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead until he could put his finger into the nail prints in his hands and thrust his hand in his side where Jesus had been pierced by the sword. Jesus always has an intent and purpose when he calls you, and the same principle applied when he called Thomas and the other disciples. In all my years, I don't think I have ever heard a message which captured what I'm about to share. Perhaps it is because focus was placed more on the fact that Thomas doubted or denied the resurrection and not enough emphasis was ever on why he doubted Christ's resurrection. Therefore, Jesus includes Thomas as a disciple to speak specifically to a hindering factor that not only Thomas would face, but many who do not believe in God because of a life experience that has caused them to doubt. For Thomas, his devastating life experience is found in his surname Didymus, which means twin. His fellow disciples called him twin, day in and day out. This is uncanny because nothing is ever said about his twin. I became intrigued by this because if you know anything about twins, whether identical or fraternal, 
their life experiences are interactively intertwined. This has to be true of Thomas and his twin, yet there is no reference to his twin at all. As I read the scriptures and pondered for an explanation, it appears in all likelihood that Thomas had a twin whom he was extremely close to and that twin died. Just imagine when Jesus calls him, his heart is broken in a million pieces. He's undoubtedly attempting to hide the hurt. Therefore, in an attempt to reach the doubting Thomas in life, Jesus utilizes the death of his friend Lazarus. In John chapter 11, Jesus informed his disciples that he is glad that he was not present when their friend Lazarus died, to the intent that they might believe. In verse 16, Thomas responds to his fellow disciples by saying, Let us also go that we may die with him. This gives clear insight into Thomas's state of mind, which is equivalent to those who have lost loved ones. When Jesus declares to Martha, Lazarus' sister, that he is the resurrection and the life, Thomas is an eyewitness not only to the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead, but of the one who has the power to resurrect. His grief appears to have been shaken after this miracle, but he still has questions. In John 14, when Jesus began to prepare his disciples for his departure, Thomas is the disciple who spoke up saying, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Again, Thomas seems to be looking for the fastest way out of this life. So I'm sure Jesus responding by saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, was not what Thomas expected, as with many of us today. Instead of seeking after God to know God, we often want God to just remove us from the pain and hurt we are feeling without the process of healing and reconciliation. This is most likely the reason that Thomas was steadfast in his refusal to believe that Christ himself had risen from the dead until he could see it for himself. Because after he had lost a part of himself, his best friend, his twin, he didn't want any false hope that there was a possibility of everlasting life on the other side. His faith in eternal life would not come to fruition until he encountered Jesus for himself after the resurrection in John 20. When Jesus admonished him saying in verse 29, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Now Thomas was fully persuaded of the resurrection of the dead and comforted in knowing that eternal life was made available on the other side to not only himself and others, but to his twin who had gone on before him. The second story I would like to share is one of my favorites, the story of the rich man found in Luke 16, 19 through 31. I'll break it down as I read through the scripture to emphasize that every detail of the scripture is crucial to the visual application the word is conveying. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a indicates something or someone that no longer exists in their previous state. Certain speaks to something specific to point someone out, one who God noticed, rich man indicates his status or measure of wealth, which was clothed in purple and fine linen. Purple usually is worn by a royal family or family of status, and fine linen indicates the best that money can buy. And fared sumptuously every day 
means he always ate good and never wanted for anything. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Unlike the no-name rich man, this scripture introduces us to Lazarus, a specific person who had to beg for a living, which was laid at his gate, speaks volumes to where Lazarus is positioned in life in relationship to the rich man. He wasn't next door, down the street, or in another city, but was at or carried to the rich man's gate to plead for assistance. Full of sores, describes Lazarus' condition which doesn't appear to be favorable to look upon, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. The beggar was not asking for much, just the crumbs, like the woman in Matthew 15, who desired the crumbs that fell from the master's table that the dogs were allowed to enjoy. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, indicates he probably had painful lesions that ooze with an unknown substance. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And it came to pass. Whenever you hear or see this phrase, be reminded that the pain and heartache doesn't last. That the beggar died. Oh, poor beggar, you might say. And the rich man. Yes, he was probably glad that the beggar no longer laid at his gate. And was carried by the angels. Lazarus' mode of transportation to the other side was in the arms of God's messengers into Abraham's bosom. Lazarus was comforted now by Abraham, who was the patriarch, the father of all nations. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, and being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. The rich man also died. Now the rich man couldn't cheat death, even with all his riches. Now he has died and was buried. The difference here is Lazarus was carried and the rich man buried. No angelic escort, just buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes. Now we get into the depth of a mystery concerning the afterlife. The rich man still had eyes to see and found himself in a place separated from the life he once knew. Being in torments. Torment is an agonizing continuous torture. Fear hath torment. So there's no doubt he was in fear. In hell, his torment was multiplied. And seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, he was cognizant and recognized that Abraham and Lazarus were not in hell, nor were they experiencing any torture on the other side. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And he cried and said, most likely with the sound of wailing and anguish, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. He asked for mercy in hell when he should have asked for mercy prior to his arrival. But it appears he didn't give much thought that his actions or inactions would cause him to make his bed in hell. And send Lazarus. Now this has got to be the strangest request of all. He asked for a man that he had evidently avoided, whom he most likely saw every day laying at his gate. But now he wants the same man that he avoided to be sent to, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. 
The rich man's tongue is mentioned, and it appears his tongue is hot. Could it be because he spoke against the beggar that was at his gate? And it sounds as though he remembers Lazarus was full of sores. So he asked that he dip only the tip of his finger into the water. I love that they mention water because it is important for the visual interpretation. For I am tormented in this flame. Here it is, hellfire, a place of torment. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. Abraham respectfully calls him to remember. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Now the tables have turned. This is an important lesson for us to consider when we encounter one less fortunate than ourselves. What if we were in their place and they were in ours? How would we want them to respond? And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. This is the dividing force, the dividing waters, the great gulf fixed, set in place where the one side cannot get to the other side, yet the one side can clearly see the other. This is similar to what I described in the first podcast, The Last Boat. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. It appears the rich man now acknowledges that Lazarus is alive and well, and therefore asks that Lazarus be sent to warn his family, not others, that hell is for real. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. This is a message to all to read the Old Testament as well as the New. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Here it is implied that the rich man realized that because he had not repented, that he ended up in hell. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. Without an ear to hear and a heart to seek out the truth, in the word of truth, one will never be fully persuaded that Jesus is the Christ. A final note, when we recall the two thieves that were crucified with Christ, to one Jesus says, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. And because God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, there is no mention where the other thief will spend eternity. Perhaps the non-repentant thief should have asked the rich man if hell is still hot. Thanks for listening. Angela.